You're listening to a message from Gateway Church Geelong. We hope it blesses you. For more information about Gateway, visit gc.org.au. Good morning. How are you all? Good, I can kind of see you. Good morning to everyone who's watching online as well. I am really excited to be here with you this morning. Um, As was just mentioned, we had a fabulous night on Friday and I just want to say from the get-go how much I adore your church already. And I just don't say that um, lightly at all. Um, So um, Lee and Naomi, I have known them. Well, I actually met them when I was a teenager and it's amazing that, how many years later? Oh my gosh, too many decades later that um, we get to be together. I get to be here amongst you, their family, and I just want to honour them and their faithfulness. I want to honour their yes to God that they have said over and over that has, um, you know, obviously created this space in this moment. But also I just want to just declare that the soil that you are preparing is so fertile. And um, I'm excited for what God is doing um, in you all, but what God is going to do through you all as you just keep leaning into um, and saying yes to this God faith-filled adventure. Can everyone say amen? amen. So um, before I get into my message, because I'm super, I'm, I've got a, I've just got a faith word this morning, so I'm kind of excited. But before I do that, I want to introduce to you my family because um, my husband and I've got a few pics. So this is my family. Aren't they gorgeous? Um, Now, like I said on Friday night, um, this is like pre-COVID where we used to glam up. And this is actually at my nephew's wedding. And so I have three kids. So the one on the end in the blue skirt is my daughter, Eva. And she this year has left home and now lives in Newcastle um, because she's 19 and she's studying. Um, Then there's obviously me. There's my very handsome husband. Um, His name is Michael and he is... So sad that he's not here and just says hi and can't wait to be here. Um, They were actually, so um, my husband and my son on the end, Leo, they were going to be here this weekend, except the fact that Leo did fall ill. And I just didn't want to admit that he was that ill. (laughs) You'll be fine, buddy. We can do this. You can just chill. And then Friday morning as we're about to leave, I did just have a moment with Jesus. And he's like, you need to pay attention to the fact that he might just need to stay home. Um, So they're home and they really look forward to being here. Um, next time. And then um, the stunning girl in blue is my daughter, Yana, who is with me. We're doing a girl's road trip and she is my middle child and I absolutely love her and we're having a great time. Um, so this is my family. And like I said, this is, pre, <laughs> this is pre-COVID and I did show this photo and my daughter's horrified that I'm showing this, but this is now post-COVID. Um, this is taken a few weeks ago. This is us now. This is how we roll. We become like, you know, living in the bush living the good life. And um, I don't know, we, we don't glam up as much anymore. And as much as I would have sh- wanted to show you a lovely photo of all of us, this is where it's at. This is real life. So we, are, we love the mountains. We love adventure. And um, probably really, that's really what I'm going to talk a little bit about um, this morning. So if you have your Bibles, I would love for you to turn to Deuteronomy chapter 31. I think it's going to be on the screen as well. And we're going to start in verse 7. And it says this. It says, Then Moses summoned Joshua and said to him in the presence of all Israel, Be strong and courageous, for you must go with this people into the land that the Lord swore to their ancestors to give them. 
verse 8 says, The Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Do not be afraid and do not be discouraged. You know, this morning I have a word on my heart and I just want to encourage you. And I want to remind you of this one truth, that God is with you and He goes before you. And as I was preparing this message, um, you know, God took me back to a very specific moment in my life. And we're going all the way back to 1997. Where were we in 1997? Anyone remember what 1997 looked like? For me, I was in my second year of university and um, we had, I was with my now husband. We'd been together in our teenage years, so we were, you know, high school sweethearts. And at the beginning of 1997, we decided that we wanted to get married. And we were both uni students. Um, Everyone said, you can't get married because you have no money. And we're like, okay, we can not get married and have money or, you know, we're like, okay, that was an interesting thing. Anyway, so we, we wanted to get married and um, we didn't, we were students, so we didn't have a lot of money. And I remember talking to my parents and his parents were like, we really want to get married. And they were, they were going to back us, which I don't know, maybe it's crazy. I don't know. <laughs> it's all worked out. But interestingly enough, my husband had enough money at the time to probably get a 20 cent ring out of one of those machines they used to have back in the day in the supermarket. And we, we joked about it. We were just like, ha ha ha, you know, let's get married. Let's just like, we just want to get married. Details. Let's just get married. Anyway, there was, um, in this journey, I remember being at my house with my mom and I just randomly said to her, oh, you know what, Michael's picking me up and we're going to go over to Shepherd Inn, good old Shep, and we're going to look at engagement rings, um, which is, I don't know, I mean, everyone's got a different way of doing that. That was what we decided to do, maybe to have a bit of fun. We just Anyway, my mom literally stops in the kitchen and she goes, oh, 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 she left, then she left. And I'm like, okay. She comes back, re-enters the room, and she has a ring box in her hand. And she gives it to me, and she's like, um, this is yours. <laughs> I'm like, okay. And she was kind of flustered. And I opened it up, and there was a massive diamond ring in this box. And then my mum proceeded to tell me that when I was, a, when I was just born, so it was a very fresh baby, um, my great-grandmother um, was actually dying. And that on her deathbed, she had said to my mum, this ring is to give to Kirsten, to the per- well, is to give to the person who's going to want to marry your daughter. <laughs> At that moment, she went, I have completely stuffed this up because she was actually just supposed to give it to Michael. But in the moment, she's now going, oh my gosh, and she gave it to us. Fun fact in all of this is that there is great Uncle Bernard. Now, he's part of my family story and I've never met him, obviously, because he was well gone. But Uncle Bernard actually thought he was getting this ring. So when my grandmother wore the ring, which I am wearing, by the way, it didn't have a centre diamond and it didn't have gold bars up the side. Now, he got it all zhuzhed up. And then on my great-grandma's deathbed, she gave my mother the ring to give to me for when I was to get married. I tell you this story because at 20, God was teaching me that he had gone before me. And as a 20-year-old, I was in awe that God had done something from when I was born. He had prepared this moment for me to walk into as a 20-year-old woman. And look at the ring. Anyway, 
You know, and do you know what she said? Another fun fact. She said, melt it down. Like she didn't care actually what I did with it. But this ring represents so much. And you know, I've got an actual story where I lost the ring. That's for another message. Anyway, it's actually, yeah, anyway, that's, I'll have to come back and share that one. So what's really interesting though, and I don't know about you, but I can look over my life and there are so many points that I have walked into and I know that God has set them up for me. You know, as I shared on Friday, I have had an awareness of God from a very young age. And, you know, as a oh, almost 45-year-old woman, just told you my age, um, you know, I have been, as we all do, on a growth journey. And so, you know, my relationship with God has looked different in different seasons. But I know that there are points in my life where God has prepared things, He has delivered things, He has done the miraculous, and I've just been in awe. But the crazy thing is, in other moments, I'm like, oh my gosh, God, what are we doing here? You know, so freaked out that, you know, how is this going to work out? What are we doing? You know, I I have anxiety or I'm stressed or I just feel like I shut down and I'm like, God, I don't know. I'm just going to do this on my own. Does anyone else live in that space? And I just feel so confused because I'm like, God, on one hand, I know that you can do this. But then in the other instance, I'm trying to work out on my own how to do what I can't do. And so I want to read for you in Deuteronomy again. Verse uh, chapter 30, sorry, chapter 31, verse 8. The Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. In Psalm 139, verse 5, it says, You go before me and follow me. You place your hands of blessing on my head. Isaiah 52, 12 says this, For the Lord will go ahead of you. Yes, the God of Israel will protect you from behind. This is the truth that I want to sink deep into our hearts this morning. So I just want you to turn to the person next to you. Hopefully you know the person next to you. Just say this. Say, the Lord goes before me and is with me. So I want to look at a portion of Scripture that just really um, exemplifies this. And then I'm just going to tell a bit of my story. Um, You know, um, in Joshua, I don't know whether you're familiar with that story. Um, She's got something to say. (laughs) Red card, sorry. Um, so in Joshua, um, we pick up the story where, if you know, Moses has led the Israelites um, out of Egypt, and then there's a change of leadership. And Joshua is now going to lead the people into the promised lands. And I want to read from Joshua um, chapter 2, verse 1 to 3, and it says this Then Joshua, son of Nun, secretly sent two spies. Go look over the land, he said, especially Jericho. So if you know the story in the context, that was the first city that they ended up taking down. So they went ahead and entered a house of a prostitute named Rahab and stayed there. The king of Jericho was told, look, some of the Israelites have come here tonight to spy out the land. So the king of Jericho sent this message to Rahab, bring out the men who came to you and entered your house because they have come to spy out the whole land. Now, if I was a spies, I would have probably a few questions. Because you know what? They had been on this unbelievable journey and they believed God was going to do great things. And then they, these two guys were asked to go into like the enemy territory, you know, to go into uncharted land, to actually go to a place that they weren't really sure what the outcome was going to be. And do you know what? They said yes anyway. They said yes because they, you know, yes, they were under authority. But they knew, hopefully, that maybe God would show up and do something, but maybe he wouldn't, and they didn't really know. And they found themselves in a prostitute's house. 
Now, I've thought about this, and I'm not going to go into it because I've got other things to say, but you know what? Maybe as men, people don't, they didn't question it. Like, you think about it. Anyway, that's just a side thought that we won't really go with. But I can imagine that even when they went into <laughs> Rahab's house, that they're thinking, oh my gosh, what's going to happen here? The king's heard that we've come in, spies are looking for us. You know, is this it? Is our mission done? Are we over? And whatever else. But as the moment progressed, they soon realized that God had gone before them. And I love this. They love it. Because what they found out was that Rahab actually had encountered God. And she kept them hidden And she actually led the men on a wild goose chase. Joshua 2 verse 8 says, Before the spies went to sleep that night, Rahab then went up to the roof to talk with them. So she has has sent the spies off. And I'm sure as she's walking up those steps, spies have been hidden. They're just thinking, God, what are you doing? What are you doing in this space? God, what are you doing in this space? And verse 9 says, when she says this to them, I know the Lord has given you this land, she told them. We were all afraid of you. Everyone on the land is living in terror, for we have heard how the Lord made a dry path for you in the Red Sea when you left Egypt. Verse 11 says, No wonder our hearts have melted in fear. No one has the courage to fight after hearing such things, for the Lord your God is a supreme God of the heavens above and the earth below. I would imagine those spies were like in the middle of enemy territory where the king was coming to hunt us down, we find ourselves in the house of a prostitute woman who has encountered God. And this reminds me that God went before them. And if God had an intention, he was going to make the path clear. He was going to even have a prostitute woman have an encounter with him who actually was part of his plan. And she becomes the the whole story that we read through scripture. Rahab's name gets mentioned. Because she actually, I mean, she had to say yes to God. But for these spies, they couldn't have controlled any of this outcome but God, who had prepared a way for them. You know, God had plans away. He had positioned someone and he was aligning his plans to enable his people to do what he had intended them to do. So I want to share a little bit of my story from... um, you know, the last 18 months, because this word is actually a word that I have been living on new levels, um, just because of the journey we've been on. So May 2020, um, May 2020, whoa, do you remember May 2020? What were we doing in May 2020? We were in, I don't even want to go there. But anyway, in my world of May 2020, yes, we're in lockdown and all that sort of stuff. God spoke to my husband and I about handing on the leadership of our church. Now, for those who don't know, um, we have led New Life Chapel in Wodonga for, at that point, for nearly 10 years. And we had always felt that our journey in leading that church in our community, which we absolutely adore, the community that we live in, that we would be leading that church for 20 years. We just always positioned ourselves through whatever happened, that we were in this for the long haul, that God wanted His church to be glorious and that we were just going to keep saying yes. And then in May 2020... The word came and it was for us to release the leadership of our church to the next guy. And I could, I mean, I could talk to you, um, I mean, I could talk to you for hours, (laughs) we don't have hours, um, about what that journey looked like for us leading our church for, you know, the assignment we had been given. We took on an established church um, of 30 years, of which six years prior to taking on our church were actually the high school pastors. And 
just to be completely honest, once we left that, I was like, God, I never want to leave church. <laughs> I see too much. <laughs> and then God, He spoke. And then we took it on six years later. There are so many details in all of that. And then at this point, you know, at this point where God had asked us to um, hand it on, you know, I look back and it was, you know, to sum it up, our, our journey as church senior pastors, it was both wild and beautiful. It was challenging. It was painful. <laughs> it was redemptive. It was finding joy in suffering. It was both heartbreaking and heart healing. And it was full of abundant blessing. And that was the 10 years. And so in November 2020, as we handed over our church, this lesson that God had been teaching me, I feel like my whole life into that point, was that God has always been with me. And that he has always gone before me and can be absolutely trusted. This was a lesson again that I was going to learn as I stepped into this new season. And I remember constantly checking in with God. I'm like, God, how, how do we do this? How do we do this? Because people would ask us, so, so what are you doing next? What are you doing? And we're like, <laughs> God said to hand the leadership on. And I'm like, God, what are we doing? And do you know what he kept saying? He said, you take a gap year. He would say to me, you know, it is a year to rest. And then I would go, oh my God, what are we doing? What are we doing for work? What are we doing? And um, what about this? What about that? And he's like, and I just remember so many times, he's like, if you don't do what I ask, you're going to completely miss why I've given you this time. And he's like, you've just got to rest. You've just got to rest. And what he did, he positioned me almost like these Israelites to go, you're going to a land that you don't know. You don't know where you're headed. And I, I need you to be okay with that. But I need you to know that I'm always with you and that I will um, always make a way. It was like he said, you're going to discover what I've already set in motion. And I just love that song we were singing, you know, Waymaker. You know, even if I don't see it, you're working. Even if I don't hear it, you're working. God was teaching me again in this whole like, you know what? I love to plan. <laughs> I love a good plan, Jesus. I love a good plan. And he was like, no, this is not what this season is about. And my husband and I looked at each other all the time. And when we felt like we wanted a plan, we felt like we needed to come up with an idea. We go, no, we said yes to this. We said yes to going, okay, God, you take us to the land that you will show us. And that at any moment I was like, God, okay, I say yes to this small step. This is what it felt like and still feels like. Um, I say yes to this step knowing that when the time comes for me to take this step, you're like just going to just go, whoop, there it is. Oh my gosh, is that a song? <laughs> that didn't mean to do that. <laughs> that was weird. Anyway, and so, and so this is the journey I was on. So pretty much my year last year was exactly that. So I, I you know, last year I took a whole lot of different jobs. Um, and one of the jobs I took was um, I worked as a funeral um, director's assistant. I was curious. I, <laughs> I had, <laughs> I, people think it's weird, hey. It was so funny when people said to me, so what are you doing at the moment? I said, oh, I'm, I'm a funeral director's assistant. Some people would go, oh, yeah, that's really cool. And other people would go, ooh. <laughs> I was like, oh, that's fascinating in itself. Um, 
And so I took on this job. And you know what? Part of my curiosity in this was that as a church pastor, some of the most unbelievably significant, meaningful moments that I was part of was leading people through this process. And there was one particular moment, um, and I'll just tell this story, where um, we had a Congolese girl who I met one Christmas, and she had come to Australia. She, her, her husband was still in Kenya. And for whatever reason, you know how even in the, almost the crowds, there are people who just sort of come close. And this young girl came close to me, cause she, and she came to Australia, and she was pregnant with their first child. And long story short, um, she was in the hospital room and we found out that at nine months her baby had actually died. And so as a church pastor, I actually walked this whole process with this young girl. I was in the birthing suite. I think that was outside of my role description. (laughs) But it was just something that God said to me, I want you to show up with this family. And what I experienced in my whole 10 years of being a church pastor, leading this young girl and her whole community was something that was so unbelievably impacting and life-changing. And it was in that moment, as we did the funeral, that I just went, God, this is the most unbelievable position that people get to be in to lead people through these moments. So because of that experience, and at one point I actually did look at the funeral director and went, I wonder if I could do your job, random thought. This is years ago. So now I'm like, God, what do we do? Where do we go? You know, what's the... And I just felt this. I'm like, really? And God was just like, stop overthinking. And I had to trust God that wherever he was leading me, he had prepared things ahead of me that he wanted me to walk into. And so I just like, okay, let's just do this. Rang a few funeral homes, rocked up. And I remember the first funeral home I went into, the receptionist, it looked like she'd seen um, like deer in a headline. And I was like, oh, hi, I'm just going to put my resume in. <laughs> Wouldn't mind a job. And um, she's like, oh, okay. Um, and I said, oh, I said, oh, how long have you been here? She goes, oh, two weeks. I'm like, okay, you're looking a little shell-shocked, love. Anyway, I didn't go with that for your home. Um, so the one I went with, um, again, you know, I, I met the, the funeral director over the phone and I just felt God said, this is where I want you to be. And I'm like, okay, let's do this. So I got the job and, um, oh gosh, there's so many stories I could tell you. I was a hearse driver. I was um, dressing people. I was, I was, you know, being able to be a presence with people as they have these such meaningful moments. I know I laugh. Like, seriously, people think working in a funeral home is really morbid. But I tell you what, because people are involved in such meaningful work, there's actually a joy there that really fascinated me. Because they were touching so deep, something so deep every day. But even in that, so the nature of the work I was doing, I'm telling this story for a reason. The nature of the work was I didn't really know every day what I would actually be doing because I was an assistant. And um, so I would rock up and they would say, okay, you're going to be with this um, funeral director and you are driving two hours out of town. I learned to drink coffee very strategically. Um, And then um, it's like, well, okay, you're here now, so you're going to do this and that. I honestly, like I couldn't plan any of my days. And God was teaching me. So when I would go to that workplace, he would say to me, um, he, like, it was like, you are with me. It was just this truth of like, okay, God, you're with me. And it was this sense of when I rock up today, who have you prepared me to be with? What have you got for me to step into? And honestly, I only worked there for six months, but it was like God was wanting to teach me this principle again. And do you know what? I had the most unbelievable experiences with some of the funeral directors. 
It was, it was the largest funeral um, home company within our twin city in Albury-Wodonga. And like, it was just unbelievable. And I just want to tell you stories, but there was one particular time early on. So in our church, a backstory, we had done one of the most traumatic funerals we have ever done. Um, we've done a lot of funerals. And it was actually uh, two young girls were picked up by their father, um, actually two minutes from my house. We're driving back into town and he hit a tree and they, both of the girls died. It was unbelievably traumatic. And I, I don't want to go there too much because it was very challenging. So we sat on that side of it all. And I had met people after that who had been at the scene and in a community, like this was a really big deal um, and a privilege that we got to walk the family through it. On about my third funeral, we had to now, back when I'm working at the funeral home, we had a funeral that was um, out of town and I jumped in the car with an, a guy who'd been a funeral director for a, a funeral director's assistant for a really long time. And um, anyway, we're chatting and I'm like, Holy Spirit, okay, this is my moment. What do you want me to do? I feel like you positioned me with this gentleman today. And um, as we began to talk, he began to talk about how a few years ago he'd actually had a mental breakdown. And um, there was this particular scenario that he was in where as a funeral director, as his assistant, he was the only guy at a scene of two young girls. And he's driving and I'm like, oh my gosh, this is, this is like where stories collide. And he started to tell me about his faith and how he used to um, trust God and how through all of that, he just found it so hard. And he explained the whole story, which was so deep and so vulnerable. And I started to think, God, I've been pastoring my church for however many years, but I felt like God said, this is actually the moment that I've asked you to step into right now. And I, I just, um, it was like through this journey, I was pastoring these funeral directors because they had no one. They had no one. And I, um, as he began to tell his story, I was like, he's driving and he's crying. <laughs> and, I, and it was a beautiful God-appointed moment where God was ministering, ministering to him and he was finding life. He's gone back to church. He's found community. And God was just reminded. And do you know what? I saw him a few other times. He was gorgeous. He actually said to me, you know what? If you do anything else, like, you know, maybe if you get a property and you want to like look after people and stuff, he goes, I'll just mow your lawns. You know, something happened in him, in that space. And I'm like, whoa, okay. I'm just like the, just like the clock in, clock out. And I was seeing what God was doing because he, he, he knew that this guy needed someone who had the Spirit of God in him to show up and just bring that good news. And so, do you know, our whole story um, being at that funeral home, by the time I finished, I had gone through every single person in that funeral home and I had sat within the car for hours there was one guy who was the operations director and he was like, um, he, was, he was interesting. He was, he was a hard guy and we had to be in a car together for seven hours. Let me just tell you that he was so open and transparent about his journey. I couldn't believe it. He was curious about my faith. He said, I don't mean to be rude, but you don't look like a pastor's wife. I was like, okay, I don't know what that means, but is that a good thing? I went on a journey with him and I felt like the Holy Spirit said, pay attention. Just let him speak. Just let him talk. Couldn't go anywhere. And I kid you not, this harsh, gruff, he is F-bombing at the start. Weird for, yeah, it's weird. The other, my boss wasn't like that. F-bombing. And then he kind of calmed down. 
by the end, he had shed so much of his heart that he got out of the car and he went, whew, I hope that was okay. <laughs> I honestly think that he left that car ride going, I don't know what just happened. <laughs> but I knew. God had gone before me and said, you know what, in this season where you've got more space, where you're finding rest, there are people that I need you to show up with. And he was teaching me to be really aware of that, to go, God, I need to trust that you have gone before me. So do you know what? That's the people stuff. I did that job for a little bit. I was teaching. But do you know what? Shut, lockdowns happened. People weren't dying, ironically, when I was working there. So there was like not much work. And then I took on another job. And I'm like, oh, God, what are we doing here? And God said, do you know what? Just trust I'm going before you. And that if you say yes to this, then the next thing will come. And then out of that job, and I met all these unbelievable people, I just got to show up. It was just, anyway, I, I could tell stories for days. And then, um, and then from that, I actually got offered a full-time job. And I was like, really, God, is this what we want me to do? And he's like, he just said, just say yes. Just say yes and discover what I've already said in motion. I'm like, I know, we keep going over the same thing. I know, I'll get there. I will learn the lesson. And, you know, the workplace I'm in currently is for a Christian couple who, um, and Michael is the same. We're both working for businesses who have Christian bosses who are going through some really challenging times. And we just feel that our yes at the moment is to serve them for this season where God is doing all these other things in the background. But we are saying yes to this, knowing that the next thing will come at time because we know that God is preparing things for us to walk into. So Proverbs 3, verse 5 to 6 says this. It says, trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Now don't get cliche on me. I feel like some, sometimes we go, oh yeah, we've heard that scripture. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him and He will make your path straight. You know, this scripture, I feel like has been um, embedded on my heart. You know, so many times in all of our journeys, when we, you know, even though we know, yeah, let's trust God, there is some deep drive in us to want to be able to rely on our own understanding. We search for understanding. We search for something that feels solid. And I'm like, God, I'll be okay. Sure, I'll follow you. But I need to understand exactly what's going on, when it's going to happen. I need to know that if I do this, that there's going to be an outcome, that I'm going to be okay. Are we going to be provided for? But God actually says, no, no, I just want you to trust me. Because I have learned that even if I build walls of understanding and if I lean on them, they actually crumble. And I was saying to someone the other day, they said, how, did you, how, do you, how do you navigate this sort of uncertain season? Because I've even talked to Christians who feel really uncomfortable with the season that we're in. They're like, I don't think I could do it. And I, my response is, you know what? If my journey has taught me anything in the last 10 years is to find certainty in things that are not certain. And the only thing I tell you that is certain is the fact that God will always reign supreme that He'll always be our provider, that He will always be the healer, that He can make a way when there is no way, that He actually wants to do the miraculous through us. But what I have learned is that we actually need to give Him space to do it. Because if we fill up all the space with what we think we need to do, what we know we maybe should do or whatever, God's like, you know what? All power to you. Make your plan. 
But if you just let me in, I will show you that what I have for you is so far greater than what you could ever plan. And so I have chosen to live like this. And it is not certain. And my understanding just wants to like roar. It's like I just want to understand. But then God proves to me over and over and over and over again that what He is wanting to do is show me that He is more than able to do like exceedingly abundantly more than we could hope, think or imagine. And I want to encourage you because there is a God who is with you right now. And you are thinking, you know what? My situation feels impossible and I have no way out of this. You know, and I have lived in those moments where I'm like, God, I don't know what to do. I actually don't know what to do. And it's like he says, you've just got to be reminded that I am with you. And if I'm with you, anything is actually possible. And all you need to do is take one step in the right direction. And there was a season in my life, I shared a little bit about it on Friday, you know, back in 2016, where we found ourselves very broken as church pastors. And it was like God said to us, God, how do we find the life-giving way out of this? And it was like, He'd just tell us one step. He'd just do this one step. And I'm like, God, but what about all of this that's screaming at me? And it was like He'd put these blinders on and He'd go, yep, but this is what I want you to do. Just take one step. Just take one step. You know, love your husband. Love your kids. You know, say yes to me. Because I was like, God, I don't know whether we can keep doing this church leadership thing. This is tough. (laughs) But God, you still want me to do it. And I'd look around at the people and my heart would just be like, these are my people. You know, as a sheet, you know, it talks about, you know, a hand gathering, it's chicks. I felt like that for my church. And I felt like God said, your yes to me is you stay present with me, with your people and just keep taking that one step. Just keep saying yes. And so when we transitioned, I was so in awe actually of what God did as we just kept taking that one step and trusting that He would do things that we couldn't do. So my question to you this morning is, what do you do when you find yourself wanting to lean on your own understanding? What do you do? You know, I had another moment at the start of this year, you know, because I sound like I'm, you know, I'm all on this faith journey. Well, good, got it all sorted. <laughs> there was a moment at the start of this year. So it was in January and my daughter was leaving home. I was back at work. We'd had Christmas. I feel like after Christmas, it just kind of like does my head in a little. And, um, and there was a few things that had happened. And in a moment, I just like felt like I literally, and I have not really felt this before. I, like, I felt like fear entered my body. I was at work. Michael came and told me something and I was just... It was, I just, like anxiety maybe, I don't know. It was such a strange thing. And I was like, what is going on? And I remember being at work and I'm like, I, this is ridiculous. I'm thinking through, God, this is not what we do. What is happening? Whatever else. And I'm like, I was rattled for days. And I'm like, this is not me. This is not me. And I rang a friend um, who is a beautiful prayer warrior. And I said, I don't know what to do. I need you to pray with me in my lunch break. So I jumped in my car and I drove and she prayed with me. And I remember saying, God, what the heck was that? And Johnny said to me, he said, there are parts of your heart that still don't understand this truth. I was like, what? 
And it was true. There was parts of me in that moment that went, God, I don't know how this is, I don't know how it's going to work. And even though my head was like, oh, trust God, there was part of my heart that just went all through my body that just said, no, it can't be trusted. It was like I just subconsciously or whatever kept imagining a future without God. And if I can encourage one thing in all of this, as you learn to trust God, to always, always imagine a future with God. Because what happens is our minds will always want to take us to a future that doesn't have God in it. So what is fear? Fear is, well, in the future, I'm going to lack. Fear is, in the future, I'm not going to be okay. Fear is, well, what happens if? Fear is, you know, well, maybe God said this, but maybe it'll never happen. There is something in us that will always want to imagine a future without God. And so I want to encourage you in those moments to take a breath and go, Holy Spirit, what is going on here? And just remind yourself, God, you are with me and you are going before me. And then whatever I place, I find myself here or in the future, you will be there to give me whatever I need. So it doesn't matter what happens. It doesn't matter what happens. God will always be there, even if it's to give you a hug, even if it's to whisper in your ear, it might be whatever it is. We, don't, we, we can't spend our whole life future tripping because we do it all the time. And it removes us from this moment where God is saying, this is the only moment you have. And if you can be fully immersed with me and my presence, it will change you body, soul and spirit. Every cell in your body actually responds to the Spirit of God in you. And so this is a new normal that He's wanting us to live in to hold the tension of trusting God with what we will never be able to control and trusting that He is a miraculous God who has unbelievable things for us in our future, even though we have no idea how to make it happen. So I want you to stand with me in this place. want to put your hand on your heart. I'm going to do this on Friday. I just think it's just such a beautiful thing. And I want to read this over you. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him. And He will make your path straight. Because the Lord Himself goes before you. And He will be with you. And so Holy Spirit, I just pray right now. That every person in this room and online will have such an increased awareness that you are with them. God, that your grace is with them. God, that your strength is with them, that your protection is with them, that your provision, that your love is with them. God, that you are able in this moment to create anything. And so I just pray, Holy Spirit, for every person in this room to always 
be reminded that you are with them and that wherever they go, God, whether they are at work, whether they love it or whether their bus drives them crazy, God, I just thank you that Spirit of God, you go with them. And God, that you showing up in your people wherever they go is the most powerful thing that you wanted to release on the earth. God, that for mums and grandmas and dads and grandpas and aunties and uncles who find themselves within family, God, all the complexities of family, God, I just pray that every single person will know that you are with them, that the atmosphere they carry with you has such a profound effect on the people around them. God, I just pray that, you know, it says, we don't want to go unless your presence goes with us. And I just pray, Holy Spirit, that every person in this place will never forget that you never leave them, you never forsake them, that you are powerful in them. God, that you said that you wanted to be on them, but you sent the Holy Spirit to be in them. God, you live within us. We don't have to go find you. You are in us and you are with us and you go before us. So Holy Spirit, I just pray for every heart. I speak to your heart and say, God is able to be trusted. And God, I just pray for every heart that feels disappointment. God, that doesn't feel like it can trust you. God, that feels angry or mad or happy and sad all at the same time. God, our hearts are complex and you came to heal our hearts. I just pray, Holy Spirit, that you just heal people's hearts and hearts, I tell you, that you can trust God. Minds, you can trust God. For the thinkers in this place, I just release you to think in accordance with the Spirit of God because God has created you to think. Feelers, you are created to feel. People who are called to do great things, do it with the Spirit of God knowing He is with you and He is leading you. And God, I just pray for this church. God, I just thank you that you are doing beautiful things here. I just thank you that you are just this is soil, God. You are just, the soil is rich, God, and you are planting beautiful things that are coming to fruit. And I just pray, Holy Spirit, that you just release your power in this place. And God, I just rebuke every lie that will want to come against your truth and that your people here will live fully present with you in your freedom, in your power, in your grace, that no matter what happens, God, that they will know that you are with them, that you are trustworthy. God, you're gone before them. And God, you have miraculous things ahead, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Just just before we finish this morning, you know, one of the, one of the things that Kirsten shared then is that God can do things that you can't do. And one of those things that we can't do is we can't save ourselves. Only God can save us. You may not know God personally in this place this morning, and maybe you feel separated from God, but He wants you to know that He has gone before you today. How did he do that? He sent Jesus to go before you on the cross and be resurrected because he loves you so deeply that he wanted to restore you into relationship with him. Just as you close your eyes for a moment this morning, and if you don't know God personally, 
don't know Jesus personally, but you want to come into a relationship with Him, you want to know Jesus, this is your moment this morning to do the one thing that you can't do and accept His salvation. Accept Jesus. If that's you this morning, just with everyone's eyes closed, can I invite you just to lift up your hand? Once you put up your hand, you can put it back down. Awesome, thank you. So anyone else today say, yeah, I, you're awesome, thank you. Anyone else today that wants to accept Jesus as their Saviour? Once you put your hand up, you can pop it back down. Just with their eyes closed this morning, I want to invite everybody in the room, if you're watching online, to pray a prayer with me. It's a prayer of accepting Jesus into our hearts, asking for forgiveness and coming into relationship. Why don't you pray after me? Dear God, I thank you that you sent Jesus to die on the cross and rise again for the forgiveness of my sins. I believe it in my heart and I confess it with my mouth. From this day on, I'm following Jesus. Forgive me of my sin. I surrender my heart. You're Lord of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. We pray that that message was a blessing to you. If you made a decision to follow Jesus, first of all, congratulations. We think that that is incredible. And secondly, if you go to gc.org.au forward slash first steps, our team has put together some resources as well as there's some information there for how you can get in contact with one of our pastors because we'd love to encourage you and connect you into the life of the church.